all of today's readings, including the psalm, offer us the same warning, the same admonition, and that is don't worry so much about accumulating a lot of material wealth, a lot of stuff, a lot of money. No matter what happens, everything you have will become the property of somebody else and probably somebody who has never worked as hard as you have. This seems almost diametrically opposed to what most of us have been taught about preparing for the future, taking care of our children or our favorite institutions, yet these are not ambiguous statements. The passage from Ecclesiastes tells us of the speaker's disappointing toil and how after all the labor and anxiety, one must leave all to be enjoyed by another who did not toil for it. It is all vanity. The passage begins, it is an unhappy business that God has given to human beings to be busy with. Then all the deeds that are done under the sun, all is vanity and a chasing after wind. He is afraid that those to whom he must leave all the fruits of his labor will be foolish, not wise. In fact, he concludes that all who work hard, their days are full of pain and their work is a vexation. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This also is vanity. So there's certainly no ambiguity in these passages. And then in the letter to the Colossians, we're admonished to set our minds on things that are above not on things that are on earth. We're to forget about the interests of the earth, including especially greed. And while this epistle does not focus on relinquishing the acquisition of material goods, it does emphasize that all the ways that were once followed must be eliminated. When one becomes a Christian, one becomes a new being. And the old being and the old desires must be forgotten and eliminated. We still refer to this experience as conversion, and remember that to convert is to turn around, to go in the opposite direction. If we had hatred for anything or any group or any person, we must turn that around to love. If we expended our energy on acquisition, we must turn around to relinquishing. These are very difficult concepts for us, but they are probably no more difficult for us than they were for the original readers of Paul's letter. And in Jesus' own teaching from St. Luke, we hear, as we so often do, not just direct advice, but a parable. He says, one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then Jesus uses the story of a rich man to give us advice about how to live and how not to live. This rich man is very successful in the eyes of the contemporaries of Jesus, and let's be honest, in our eyes too. He's such a successful farmer that he has a harvest that brought in too much production for the amount of storage space he has. His alter alternative does not, of course, suggest that he could have given some of the food away, nor does he think of reducing his plantings next year. Instead, he decides that he needs to build larger barns for storage. He'll then have space for all his grain and all his goods. He's obviously a wealthy man. And he's wealthy enough that he decides that it's a good idea to destroy the barns and storage sheds he has and build new ones. In order, he's willing to spend some of his money to take care of his property. Then God tells him that his life will end that very night. 
God rhetorically asks the rich man, who will gain the benefit of all his wealth, his crops of grain, his goods, his new storage buildings, his fertile lands? And the parable ends with a summary, so it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. We're not to spend so much of our time and energy on gathering riches of various kinds for our own pleasure and comfort. We're to take care of ourselves and our dependents in the here and now, but we must use the rest for God's work, for those in need or for those who spread the good news, for any who are not capable of caring for themselves, and there are hundreds of categories of need. Now, today's readings can make contemporary people, even people of loving goodwill, quite nervous. Our culture teaches us that we're to get all we can, that we're to succeed, and that it's okay to display that we are successful. So how can we reconcile what our world is with what our lessons today offer us? How does one give back to God, and especially how does one redeem one's life of acquisition? I want to tell you a true story, one that I experienced just this past week. As many of you know, I was a professor of literature and the dean in the language arts division at Foothill College for 30 years. And during that time, from the founding of the college till I retired, I made many deep and lasting friendships. Some of my former colleagues have for a number of years been meeting weekly for coffee every Tuesday morning at a little shop in Los Altos, and every so often they invite me to come and join them, and I, for old time's sake, and I, I occasionally do. We are all in our 80s, all long settled, most with children and grandchildren. So these friends talk a lot about kids and what they hope for them, what goals and achievements they've reached on their own. And we're all pretty lucky when it comes to laying up treasures on earth. And we all know it. But in the past couple of years, one of our members has increasingly been losing ground to dementia. A man with a doctorate in literature, father of two, a widower, a fine musician, and a truly, a truly a gentleman who happened to grow up within 10 miles of where I grew up in Southern California. This man has slowly disappeared. He's in a fine facility in the East Bay, well taken care of, happy, well fed, safe, but all alone somewhere, and somewhere none of us can reach. Where are those treasures? What image does he offer us? Can we believe this is what he worked for? I'm actually still unclear just what all the lessons are that he teaches me. On this past Tuesday, seven of us, his colleagues and friends, went to visit him. We played him some music over the earphones. We played him Woody Herman and Count Basie. Three of us read poems we'd written. He smiled. He nodded. All of us hugged him and offered a little simple memory. He smiled. He said a few words. He did not seem to know what the words Foothill College referred to. Our treasures and his were nowhere in sight. And then I told him that I loved him. 
and then one by one the others. All men leaned toward him and said what they could never have said to him before. I love you, Joe. The treasures we had, we seven who visited, were of another time and place and an overwhelming gut check to tell each other that we were fortunate, that we loved each other, that our friends and families were our treasures. What we had to give away was not just tangible, but personal. Before I left my six colleagues on Tuesday, I said to each one, I loved him, I said his name. We shed some tears. Today's crucial message is not just to spend less time and worry on gathering material wealth, but also to gather up other kinds of wealth. Wealth not of money and goods, but of friendship and love, kindness, caring. Our stuff will take care of itself. The treasure we should be laying up, the treasure we should be giving out, is love. Amen.